We are continuing in our series, a brand new series. We started it last week called Generous. This week, we're going to continue in that thought. You know, there were a lot of headlines out during 2012. I mean, 2020, rather. You might have heard about this virus. Don't know if you heard about that or not. But the NBA season was shut down. March Madness... The big NCAA tournament, it was shut down. The Olympics were postponed. The FBI showed us uh, some video that might be UFOs. There were murder hornets that were spotted in the U.S. There was West Coast fires, wildlife fires. There was a Supreme Court justice who dies. Another Supreme Court justice is elected. The 46th president of the United States was elected to office. And that's a whole lot in one year, isn't it? But there's one headline that came out, and probably most of you didn't even catch it. It just didn't take a lot of traction. And it's this. That in 2020, the top 1% of U.S. households hold 15 times more wealth than the bottom 50%. That it was a historic shift that happened in our country. And a lot of you are thinking, man, I'd love to be in that 1%. But when we talk about wealth, isn't it something that kind of is a moving target, what we think wealth is? I remember when, uh, when I first got into ministry, I was a youth minister, and I was making eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars $19,000 a year. And I was thrilled because I was making more than I was making at Office Depot. <laughs> you know, even though, hey, we, we qualified for food stamps when Lex came along. But then, two years later, I got my first preaching job. They were paying me $25,000 a year. And it came with a preacher's house across the street. We were rich. I mean, we were rich. No more macaroni and cheese and Raymond noodles on the menu, right? Uh, We we finally made it. Until, you know, you're thinking about the next thing. Because really when you think about it, how much do we really need? And probably most of us, without saying it out loud or subconsciously, we know it's always a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. But Jesus has something to say to us. He's got a warning for us in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he told them, watch out. Say that with me. Watch out. Ready? Watch out. Beware. Be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. He says, don't get sucked up into the world's lies. Because these advertisers, they spend millions of dollars so that you will be convinced that their product is something that will make your life happier, it will make it more comfortable, it will make your life more fulfilled if you keep taking their products. This passage is set amidst the parable of the rich fool. The rich fool was a farmer, and he has this bumper crop one like he'd never had before. He's got so much that he doesn't have enough room in his existing barns to put it all. 
But he never once thought, you know, I wonder how I could be helpful to someone else. He never thought, how can I be generous with this extra that God has blessed me with? Instead, if you know the story, he tore down his existing barns and he built bigger barns so he could put all his stuff in it. So then he could live a life of leisure and pleasure the rest of his life. Sounds great. And then Jesus gives the bottom line, but God said, you fool. This night, your life is demanded of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not, catch this last part, is not rich toward God. What does a farmer need? To have good crops. I know we got some farmers in here, or past farmers. You know what you need? You, you got to have sunshine. You need rain. You need good soil. Who provides those things? God does. And this man is rich, but he's not rich toward God. Now, planning for retirement. It's a good thing. We talked about that last week. That's, that's, it's important. It's important that we make plans before we die. But if we're not making plans after we die, it's going to be a disaster. If you accumulate wealth only to give yourself pleasure in this life with no concern in helping others, then you are going to go into eternity empty-handed. Now, the good news is this, and probably a lot of you don't know this, but you're rich. It's like, <laughs> not me. I don't have any money in the bank. I live paycheck to paycheck. I don't have as much as someone else. And I'm certainly not a part of the 1% that you talked about a moment ago. But there's about 3 billion people in the world who make $2 a day that will say, your problems are different than my problems. Some of you, you've probably seen these before. Some of you've got them in your house. They're called refrigerators. And we can store food in there, and it'll keep it from spoiling for long periods of time. Right? None of us are going out every single day and having to kill our supper for the day. But how many times have we gone and we've opened up that refrigerator or that pantry, and we stare into it, and we say, we just don't have anything to eat. And it's not that there's not anything in there. It's just not what I'm, what I'm wanting at the particular time. You see, those are rich people problems. A lot of you, you're, you're, you're planning for Christmas. Man, you've been on Amazon. It's hot and heavy. And you know you've got some things that are coming all the way across the country. And, and if it doesn't get there in two days, and it takes three days to get there, you're just frustrated because those are rich people problems. All of us have this, one of these phones, probably most of you have the smartphones. Did you know that you have instant access to everything? Your phone is more powerful than the computer mainframes of the 1980s. And we can just get on here and we can get all kinds of stuff. And, but if you go on to one of your, your movie sites, you know, your streaming sites, and all of a sudden it starts to buffer, you know, that's that little thing that spins in the middle. You're like, oh, I can't believe this. 
And why shouldn't we be frustrated? Because that signal's only coming from outer space, right? You see, those are rich people problems. So I want you to say it with me. I'm rich. Say it. I'm rich. Oh, let's say it like we mean it. Ready? One, two, three. I'm rich. Now, if it bothers you to say, I'm rich, you need to ask yourself this question. Why? Why do I feel like, uh, I don't really feel like I need to be saying that kind of thing. Because here's what wise Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. He says, God has given riches and wealth to every man, and he has allowed them to enjoy them. Take his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. There is nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings that God has given us. Solomon says they're a gift of God. And we don't do that with other gifts. If you say, you know what? God has blessed me with a good marriage. We don't have any qualms saying that. Or if we say, you know what? God has, has gifted me with good health. Man, you know, we're, we're happy to say that. But if we say that God has blessed me with wealth, it's like, oh, I just get a little weird about that, right? Because somehow we feel like Christians can't be blessed in that way. We're not supposed to be blessed in that way. That's just not the case. The problem, the problem is that the more we have, if we're not careful, if we're not rich toward God, then the harder it is for us to have faith. In Luke 18, there's a rich man. He comes to Jesus. He says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? Jesus said, keep the law. He's like, done. I've been doing this since I was a child. Well, he's a liar, but that's what he said, right? So Jesus comes back and he says, okay, well, one more thing. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. You will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. And you know the story, most of you. He walked away sad because the text says he was very rich. Jesus pointed out the one thing he knew this man was unwilling to let go of. And that's when Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I said it last week, I'm going to say it this week. Wealth is not the problem. Money's not the issue. The problem is when the things that we possess begin to possess us. And so for the rest of our time here this morning, I want to talk about what it means to be rich toward God. Okay, so here's the first thing. Think like a steward, not like an owner. We kind of briefly mentioned this last week, but I wanted to come back to it this week because this is so important. Psalm chapter 24, uh, whoops, maybe I don't have Psalm 24. I don't. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. That means the clothes that you came in this morning, the car that you drove in today, it all belongs to God. And I know some of us, you're thinking, well, you know, I just, I think it's mine. I think, I, you know, I'm the one. And I get it because that's the way the world thinks. That's the way they live their lives. 
but God has blessed us in a way. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. If we really believe that God is the one who blesses us, then the question is, then how am I giving back to God? A tenth seems to be the percentage that just pops up all through the scriptures in the various of ways. One of those big passages comes from Malachi 3, verse 10. And he says, bring the full tenth, this is God speaking, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Folks, that was written 400 years before Jesus came to the earth in human form. But the tithe was also exemplified 400 years before the Levitical law. And Jesus comes on the scene and, and he just reaffirms it in places like Luke chapter 11 in verse 42. In Malachi, the tithe is to be brought to the storehouse of the temple. The storehouse in the New Testament, we don't have the temple, so the storehouse today is the local church. It's where you are spiritually fed. And he says there in that text, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. And then God says something that he's never said before, and he has never said since, and he says, test me. Now, some of you may be thinking, whoa, 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 I'm not getting caught in that little trap because the Bible says, don't test the Lord, right? Well, it's true, except when he says to test me. And he just does it this, this one time. And what he's saying is, I double dog dare you to bring your tithe. And you just see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven. I, I dare you to see if I don't pour out so many blessings in your life that you don't have room enough to store it. The Hebrew word for tithe, by the way, it doesn't mean a tenth of your income. The Hebrew word that is used, it means the first tenth of your income. We can probably make a case that the order in which we give is as important or more important than how much we give. The point of the tithe is for God to teach us to build our lives around his order, his divine order. He must be first. If you are first, then the riches of heaven are going to do more harm in your life than a blessing. So every time we get paid, every time something blessing comes in our lives, the first thing we need to do is we need to set apart for God to bring our tithe. When Missy and I had four kids young at the house, and I know some of you, Joe had 50 children, I think, um, and some of you had a lot of kids. You know what I mean when I say there was always a birthday party going on because they all had friends and I was the stingy one, I guess. And I said, look, $10 gifts, that's the top. Missy's like, we need to be a little more generous than that. We're not in the 1950s anymore. But my children, my children, they wanted to be so much more generous than we were. 
You know, you take them in to you know, go into the toy department. It's like, you know, uh, you know, you're passing through the electronics. Let's get them a gaming system. Let's get them one of these vehicles that has the battery in it, you know, and they can ride around. I'd be willing to give them this whole row, this whole aisle here. I think that would be great because we all know that we're very generous when we're talking about someone else's money. And maybe that's the point of the tithe. God says, it's all mine. It's all mine. It belongs to Him. How much easier would it be to give our resources if we looked at our blessings that way? We are to be instruments of God's blessings. We're not to be collectors. It's supposed to come to you and then flow through you. And that's how we're supposed to live our lives. Now, here's the second thing. If you want to be rich toward God, invest more than you spend. Now, this week I'm not talking about, you know, stocks and 401ks. I'm talking about investing in the eternal kingdom of God. Here's something Jesus had to say. He says, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Every day, we have choices. How we're going to spend our time, our talent, our resources that God has given to us. And we can take this extra and we can go and spend it on the next best thing that's out there. Or we might decide we want to help a single mom who needs help with her rent. Or to give to one of our, the missions that we support here in our community. Or, or maybe you want to help save and fund for the next big thing that we're going to do at this church and, and trying to reach our community for Jesus. You see, there's a difference between spending and investing. Now, Missy and I, we, we uh, recently went to Europe. And when you go to Europe, you got to have, you got to change that currency, right? Got to get into the euros. So you take your U.S. dollars and and you exchange it out, and you're trying to figure out how much that you think you're going to need because you know that when you get it back, it's useless. Now, my kids have always loved it if they got money from it whenever I went to the Caribbean one time. A couple of my kids, oh, this is so cool. I've got this money. They get excited about this, this money from another country, but it is useless over here. How many of us on Judgment Day are going to realize we spent our lives obsessing and collecting things that had value in this world, but it is absolutely useless in the one that's to come? Here's the third thing. Live to give. That's just fun to say. Live to give. Live giving uh, and, and let giving and generosity, let it become something in you that it just it becomes a part of the very breath in your lungs. You know what I mean? 
Here's what Proverbs says. He says, a generous person, here's the word generous, a generous person will be what? What does he say? Blessed. For he shares his food with the poor. Imagine living in such a way that you're always thinking, how can I help somebody? What ministry can I serve? Proverbs says that's the one that will be truly blessed. This series is not about, you know, you being stronger financially. There's a portion of that. We talked about that last week, but there's a spiritual point. And that is that we are going to live in this world We're going to live like no one else so that we can live and give like no one else. I've always thought that when I die, I'm no longer going to have an opportunity to to share the message of Jesus. I don't believe that now. And the reason is because over the years I've seen this happen. People, they leave in their will um, a certain amount to the church or to a Christian college or to one of the local missions that we talked about here today i know people who have given their entire estates to these causes and it's usually some that like i just really don't have any family usually it's like you know my family doesn't need this i want it to go to something that's good because the gift that they gave helped to create a place where people are going to be invited to come to know jesus It's called a legacy. Now, this is not something God's demanding of you, but he's inviting us into it. Most of us are familiar with the triumphal entry of Jesus as he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he says something really bizarre, it seems like. It's like he says to his disciples, go into the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there. And a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you should say that the Lord needs them, and immediately he will send them. Folks, in what universe does the Lord who made all things need anything from us? Did he really need the five loaves and two fish from the boy to feed the multitude? Did he really need that? Did he really need the, the widow's last two copper coins in order for the, for the temple to be funded and for it to really, you know, bring glory to God? Let me tell you something. He doesn't need you or me. Did he really need a big donkey and a little donkey in order to ride into Jerusalem? He could have flown in like Superman if he wanted to. When Jesus is coming in, and that man who loaned them those donkeys sees the Son of God being worshipped, and cloaks are thrown down, and palm branches are thrown down, that his donkeys are walking on as they're carrying the Son of God, he's now been written into the story of Jesus. He didn't need that lunch from that boy, but that boy has been written into the story. And all of us are invited 
to be written into the story of Jesus. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to be written into it because we invest in it. And every time we honor God with a tithe or we give sacrificially to help our missionaries in our other countries or we give toward building improvements that are going to uh, be used to invite people into here and from our community, we are being written into the story. He doesn't need us, but he invites us into it. How many of you would say, you know, God, I am willing to offer any and all that I have to change someone's story? And probably if some of you are honest, you're probably saying, my first step is I've got to learn to trust God with my tithe. <laughs> and that's where you start. You see, the, you see, the tithe is not the ceiling, it's the floor. It's the, it's the beginning of where we trust God. But where are we? Where Are you... Are you rich toward God? Because here's the thing, we're all rich. And when I say rich, you know, your mind goes to other people. No, 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 you're rich. So the question is, how am I rich toward God who blesses me? And have I turned his blessings into my own selfish means? I'll be honest with you, all this stuff takes a lot of faith. It just does. It takes faith to say, I've got to get myself out of the financial situation that I'm in because last week I realized I'm in a bad way. I need to get, I need to get this on target. I need to be faithful to God and the blessings that he's given to me. I've not been a good steward of those things. That's the, there's your beginning points. But it takes faith. It takes faith when you've got Bill staring you in the face and you say, you know what? Very first thing is, I'm going to make sure that God gets what he deserves because I trust him that he's going to bless me. I just trust him. And that's how I want to leave you today. With those thoughts in mind, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you for that you've mapped out how you want us to live our lives to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. God, help us to be honest with ourselves and with you about our next steps and what they should be and what they should look like. Father, I just pray for each person here and I pray for these things that are going through their minds right now. And Father, I just pray that for their love for you and for others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.